welcome to the Wovid Diaries podcast. We talk about the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on women's lives and how they've adapted to a brave new world. Neither victims nor superheroes, we give a platform to women from around the globe to share their experience in their own words. I'm your host, Sveta Mardar, and we're here to explore nuances and topics beyond the news headlines. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Wovid Diaries podcast. Today, we have Andrea based in, oh my gosh, you have to help me pronounce that. <laughs> Please help me. How do I say that before I butcher it? <laughs> I think it's butchered by everyone, so no worries about that. I want, um, but I want to pretend that I know how it's, uh, you know, pronounced in Danish. But <laughs> Weile. Well, there you go, in Weile, in Denmark. And Rita, who is based in Paris, they'll be sharing their experiences and learnings as young mothers during the COVID-19 pandemic. And to give you a little bit of background about our speakers, I'll share a little bit about them. Andrea, whose name is spelled with two E's, was a globetrotter in her 20s, but is now settled in the northern part of Europe. After a couple of years in the city of Smiles, Aarhus, I think I'm pronouncing that right because I've been there. She is now living in the city of the waves, Weile. Andrea embarked on the motherhood journey about four years ago, and what a journey it has been. Her kiddo is soon turning three, and it has been indeed a life-changing experience, as cliche as it sounds. Beyond her identity as a mom, she is also a professional. Her current role is at an international company, which every single parent knows and has at least once in their life wished they had not been barefoot around their product. So, you know, let you to figure out alone which brand that is. She is also a wife, partner, a friend, and much more. In the tiny bits of time Andrea has for herself, she likes to play the piano and nerd about financial education. Yay! <laughs> Yay, parenthood and adulthood. Okay, that sounded more serious than I actually meant it to be. <laughs> you just took the coolness out of me. <laughs> and Rita, she is based in Paris after more than a decade roaming the wide world. She is the happy mom of little Alba, who is turning 10 months in three days. She loves to laugh until her cheeks hurt while having long conversations with her baby girl and her loving partner, Remy best dad in the world after hers. Rita received her PhD in applied mathematics and financial engineering from the Shanghai University of Finance and Economics and is currently seeking a new position in an international organization. She also manages to find time to be the co-producer of Easy French, a well-known YouTube channel that teaches authentic French from the streets. She's also fundraising director and working on the media strategy at Wawit Diaries. She describes herself as someone eager for new experiences and avid for knowledge. Welcome, ladies. Hello. Hi. <laughs> to keep it in the Danish style. <laughs> so to kickstart our discussion, I'd like to read you to this excerpt from in an article that I read recently. So the article was published in The Atlantic at the end of December last year, and it was titled, Where Year Two of the Pandemic Will Take Us. And I'll read you an excerpt from a section called The Widen Gaps. And it really struck me the kind of statistics they, they talk about here and the analysis they give. And I'd be um, very keen to hear your thoughts afterwards. 
After World War II, women who entered the workforce in Western Europe mostly stayed there to help rebuild their battered nations. To support them, governments provided better childcare, longer school hours, and extended maternity leaves. But in the U.S., which was less severely affected, did the opposite. Encouraging women to relinquish their wartime jobs to returning men and resume their supposed place at home. That set the stage for the inequalities we have today, said Jessica Larco, a sociologist at Indiana University, where women disproportionately do the work a welfare state should be doing. When COVID 19 closed schools and childcare centers, American women shouldered the extra burdens of household work. Parenting and remote learning. Without governmental support or affordable childcare, many of these burdens became untenable. In interviews I've done, women felt like they were failing as mothers, workers, and teachers, Calarco said. Many had to choose between sending their kids to school and maybe getting them sick or keeping them at home and dropping out of the workforce. Many women in heterosexual couples picked the latter. In September 2020 alone, four times as many women left the workforce as men. That is 865,000 in total. That will have lifelong effects, said Lois Pace of the Global Health Council. You can barely have a baby in this country and have a job again. And that's not even a two or three month leave. What do you guys think about that? <laughs> There are a lot of things that come to, to my mind, that's,、uh, that's for sure. The first one is, of course, at the political level, it just makes finally sense, hopefully to the Americans as well, that their system is simply not geared towards the current society that we have today, where you expect the moms to be superheroes in, you know, in the best. In, in, in the best case. Then it also, for me, I, I think. I hope it's just a, like a wake up call for the Americans. So,、uh, my kid is not in school age,、um, so I can't really relate to necessarily homeschooling in that same sense. And I am actually fortunate to live in a country where the childcare was closed only for,、uh, what, for the first three weeks in the beginning of the pandemic. So, back in March 2020, we basically went from an open society as we knew it before pandemic to a closed down society in less than 24 hours. It was really like that. So, the prime minister came out and made the announcement the second day everything closed if it was possible to close.、Um, and then the following Monday, everything was closed for Three weeks without really knowing what was happening. And it was really, really difficult. And it just shows that you really are put in a situation where you need to prioritize to the bone everything you do. And I think with time, you become better at it. But it just shows that, again, we are still assuming that moms will take the caregiving role. If something hits, no matter at what level, It will be the mom doing the extra step. The default. Yeah, by default.、Mm. What about you, Rita? Well, I agree with Andrea. First, in terms of policies, there is no comparison between the policies in France and the ones in the US. So, in that sense, we are very lucky. Of course, I cannot speak also for other women with、uh, older children, but I have many friends with older children. They could relate to what Andrea said at the end that. Even with 16 weeks for a first baby, for example, or when you just gave birth, or with women that have the chance to still, during lockdown, bring their children 
to the nannies or whatever. It wasn't the case in March, but the second lockdown we had, it was the case. So it kind of takes a bit the burden. They all say that it's something maybe it's related to the dynamic of the couple, but it also shows a lot about the society. It tells a lot about us. I feel very different, for example, in my couples with them when they were in Zoom. Usually it's them who need to take, they are the ones who take care of the child. They could sometimes have jobs that they ask for more responsibility. They have more calls, but they're still the ones who deal with it in the couple. And in terms of paternity leave, and there are so many other issues with that in France, we are very far from being a perfect. I wouldn't say that because we are different from the US that we are happy with it as women here. There's so much more to do. And I feel very sad because some of my friends who went back after lockdown to work after, for example, giving birth, most of them, even in different industries, they were kind of put into lockdown within the company because you're a new mom. We don't need you much. You're like you, 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 you lost so much your qualities or whatever. When you come back, you're able to be a super woman because you're doing everything at home, but somehow you're not valuable to the company anymore. And I have a kind of a big sample of people saying that, and I'm part of many groups of women that are new moms or have two, three children on Facebook in France, and it's quite terrible. And I think during this pandemic, it really highlighted this issue. So it's there is definitely something to do about it. Definitely something about understanding the luck or the privilege that we might have in Europe with some of the extra support in terms of the welfare state that exists by comparison with that extreme case of the US, but so many more challenges, actually. That's, I think, enough in terms of statistic and big picture stuff. What we're really here to do is to actually talk about your stories and hear from you and how it was for you in more detail. To get started, I would like for you to give us a picture of what was your life before the pandemic, your work, your family, home, so that we have that comparison. It's almost a year now. To be honest, I don't even remember how long before pandemic was. Um, Who does? It, it, pandemic amnesia. <laughs> exactly, exactly. For me now, the pandemic life is the new normal, so it's a bit hard to remember how it was pre-pandemic. But it was definitely a routine that resembled something like delivering the child in daycare in the morning between 7.30 and 8, driving to work. I have around 30 to 40 minutes commute from where we live to, to the office, back in the days where we were actually going into the office, and then working for eight hours. And then depending on the day, sometimes my husband would have meetings in the evening. He was working at that time as a teacher in a public school. So sometimes he had meetings in the afternoon that he needed to attend. So it was either me or him picking up the kid from daycare, coming home, having a bit of time as a family, dinner, a bath time. And then at one point when Ella was finally asleep, then having either time for ourselves to cultivate our hobbies or just time for the two of us. And in that sense, I think for me, the breaking point was when we went into lockdown in less than 48 hours, when we went from this type of life to being at home and doing everything from within the same four walls in less than, as I said, 48 hours. I mean, the prime minister came out and announced that I will never forget it, came out and announced it on a Wednesday evening. And by the following Monday, everyone was in lockdown. Everything was closed. And now, I mean, the lucky situation that my kid can still go to an institution <laughs> compared to my colleagues who have kids in school or that are school age, so they need to homeschool. So in that sense, my our life now is not very different from what we had 
pre-pandemic. I think the difference is that we actually go out much more in nature compared to other times where on the weekends we would like, visit friends, right? But now because we are restricted to see people, we just go in nature and say hi to people from far away. So in that sense now, so the moment of the pandemic now compared to the pre-pandemic life are maybe 90% the same, but the three, the first three weeks of lockdown were... I don't even want to go back there. So maybe, Rita, you want to say how it is for you if it's all that uh, different. Yeah, I was pregnant. I have to tell people that I, I, I used to live in China. So I came back from China after almost a decade in 2018, in July. So I took a year kind of gap doing other projects, thinking of really where I wanted to apply. And uh, we had a wonderful summer in ex-Yugoslavia. We went to many different countries. We were traveling with friends, enjoying our life. I came back with a surprise. I was pregnant and very sick. So very quickly, I, I couldn't really bear like doing anything. I couldn't eat anything. So I decided to postpone that. And I was like, okay, I will just embrace pregnancy. And it was first baby. So, you know, with all the emotion, I was on cloud nine despite everything I mean the physical thing so my days were like reading working on any other project from home when I could and waiting for my husband to come back and in February let's say January already I was receiving a lot of messages from my friends from China trying to see how they could get me masks like face masks because uh, China just closed the borders they couldn't allow anybody to send those things they were Rita you're pregnant we are very worried and I was like okay I know how serious they are about pandemics and stuff like that but they were really so stressed and that versus what I could see on TV, people like, oh, is it, as she said on the day, it's in China. It's very far. Nothing is happening. So I was kind of worried. But at the same time, I was so much focused on myself and my baby. And uh, my parents are in Morocco. So they were supposed to come to go to Italy for see my sister. And my father had some work in Europe. They are very old and they're 74. So they were like, oh, they will come to see me. My mom planned to stay a month with me. So I was just excited, you know, planning things and not really thinking about anything. I even decided to go to England, to London with a friend because my mom and, and I, she was pregnant with me. She was in London. So I said, oh, I'm going to do the same. And since I cannot travel after some time, but not because of the pandemic. I was just thinking, I'm pregnant with a new baby. I don't know if I could move, what I could do. I was, it was all new. It was just people calling me and telling me, you're going to have a pandemic baby, a COVID baby. So I was like, what, are, what do you mean? <laughs> That's the funny part. But for me, everything was fine until March, which was like the decision, you know, to be in lockdown in France. And I was okay until then. But then I started thinking that that's very serious. And I was going to deliver a month after that. So I was very lucky because we decided to choose a clinic. that was really two minutes walk from here. And I was very happy, actually. I was like, oh, that means my husband, very egoistically, my husband will be with me at home. So it was a good news for me. <laughs> I was like, I'm so sorry to hear that people are like dying. I was really seeing the news. My uh, brother-in-law is Italian. So news from Italy. And that was devastating. But I need to focus on my baby. So I was okay. Pre-pandemic, I was just pregnant and happy and puking all the time until the end. So <laughs> I love that graphic description. <laughs> yeah, that's the reality. Honestly, I, I couldn't do anything but puke and be... Uh, and thinking, oh, my back is hurting me. And, and I was still lucky in comparison with other ladies. But I was like, I can't wait to give birth. And, and everybody was like, oh, my God, you're going to give birth in such a situation, circumstances. And my mom decided that they could not go because Morocco closed border quite quick in February, if I'm not wrong. And well, I thought my they both have health issues. And we thought it's a good idea that they stay. And I wasn't really projecting myself too far. I was like, you know, they cannot come, but we have phone. We're going to talk. And my husband is there. The most important people I hear, my sister is not too far, but I wasn't really worried. 
And so you already both touched a little bit on the early days. So what I'd like to hear a bit more is what were those key challenges in the early months as everything was still new and unclear and we were all negotiating living in this new world that was forced upon us. I don't necessarily remember any TV announcements. I don't watch TV. I, do, I just know someone told me there's a lockdown, stay home, right? So I don't have those vivid memories, but... How did you navigate those first few months when nobody knew what they were doing? Honestly, I wouldn't say challenges. There was just one, honestly. As I said, I was on Clown 9. I was so happy and excited to deliver finally my baby and be feel better because I really wanted to eat things. I couldn't eat food <laughs> or anything. And I was quite okay. The thing that was really worrying me, let's say in March, since the lockdown, if I remember well, it was mid-March. 16 or something like that, and which means two weeks before me having my baby. So I was reading a lot on forums, a lot of women giving birth alone. And that made me panic. Like literally I started while I was very quiet. I'm somebody who's very impulsive and everything, but I don't know if it's hormonal. I was feeling quiet and very serene and peaceful. I didn't feel any bad energy. And that was the only thing that really I remember vividly was worrying me. No way. I don't want to give birth alone. So I started reading the charts of United Nations about women's rights. You know, I was already preparing myself to tell like, no, it's my right to give birth with somebody. But I saw a lot of hospitals that were really truly struggling with the new process with COVID and others that were blatantly just not taking care of women. And many women were complaining that they were suffering being alone not taking care of, being worried. And I was like, are we really in a first world country? I started hearing things that I was like, okay, it's a private clinic where I'm going. So maybe it's better. And I went to talk to one of the midwives a week before. She was very lovely and nice. And I asked her the question. She said, uh, because also we have like prep courses and they stopped that. They were like, oh, we would just call you. But anyways, it was so boring and I was sleeping on the, those classes. So I was like, I don't really need. It was just nice to see other women really to talk because we were going off and I was the only one bringing my husband. He was feeling like, okay, I really want to be part of it. But the other men were just like literally saying, no, this is just for the woman to be there. So when they said it's, those classes are like just stopped, I was like, it's fine. You know, I had, I can read, I can learn and whatever. It's the first experience. But the lady said, no, in our clinic, we decided for now to allow fathers to be there. But the, the only thing that could, might happen is later on after having the baby, maybe a day after, maybe they will not allow him to come anymore. But since the policy now is to have women go back home quickly once they are feeling better, that will be fine. If you don't have any C-section or anything, it will be okay. I said, oh, that's amazing. I could totally put that in my mind. If I have it, him with me during birth, he can just wait. It's not cool for him, but it will be okay. But it will be very different. What happened? I mean, he was there, but I was really worried. And I remember stressing a lot, being between crying because of that and worried and happy because he was home with me. And I had the best time of my life. Honestly, I can say privilege to have him there. He's cooking for me, taking care, trying to have me eat something. Me thinking of all the posi like possibilities and working on my other project. I was literally just before going to hospital, I mean, to the clinic, I was just editing a video and he was like, you have to go. I was like, no, I have to finish this. So <laughs> that's what I remember vividly. It just ups and downs, but and now I can put it in perspective. But before I was just thinking it's new. It's a new experience for me to become a mom. So I wasn't really relating it to pandemics or anything else. It's really interesting how you having that key focus was just keeping you on. There's one issue only and everything else is just noise in the background. That's really nice. How about you, Andrea? How were first few months for you? Yeah, I have to say... Having gone through a labor myself, I admire 
women who gave birth during pandemic. I have no, honestly, because it's uh, that idea of not having your partner next to you. I couldn't, I couldn't imagine that my experience and then not having Frank there. And I also have at least one friend that gave birth under pandemic as well. So I know how stressful it was also for her, all those thoughts, can he come in, what happens and so on and so forth. So as I said, for us, we were lucky in the sense that we had already the child. So for I, I remember for me, it was very much about, I went into also probably because of the job that I have and the personality that I have, I just went into solution mode. So I said, okay, damn it, we have a we have a problem. Houston, we have a problem. What do we do? How do we solve it? I will probably come to that a bit later as well. In March 2020, I was going through a very difficult project at work that was delayed, that was complex, that was confidential, <laughs> that had basically all the elements that could have made it rather complicated. And at the same time, on a personal level, my father was very sick and he had been in the hospital. He was supposed to go into surgery, but they had decided that his uh, state was so advanced that would have been more of a risk. And with the COVID-19 coming on top, it, none of the doctors wanted to assume the responsibility. So basically in March, he was sent home without necessarily strong enough painkillers to cope or to alleviate some of the pain that he was going through. So I had that <laughs> in the whole mix. And it became obvious that uh, I was actually planning to go uh, in May with Ella back home to visit my parents. Just as you were saying it as well, you know, I, I had all these travel plans because, hey, COVID couldn't have been here for so long. So it became obvious that I wouldn't be able to travel in any way. So I think because everything became very overwhelming, I suppose as it was for everyone, parent or non-parent, the lockdown came as a surprise to everyone and came as a completely overwhelming decision. Also because you had no impact in any way, you couldn't influence it in any possible way. So what we did, Frank and I, was that we said, okay, we need to figure out first of all i mean both of us were in work when the lockdown came we were just sent home but we weren't sent on furlough or anything else we were still supposed to work and figure out how the hell you're supposed to work also while taking care of all the other stuff so i remember that it was very much the first especially because as i said in denmark the first three weeks everything was closed institutions everything everything was closed i think supermarkets and pharmacies were the only ones that were open so what we said was okay let's figure out how we are going to work so in the mornings i would log in for an hour just to check the most critical things then he had a couple of hours to work. I was taking care of Ella, then Ella was having a nap, then we could both work. Then Frank was actually super supportive in this period also because I had my <laughs> my project that I needed to take care of. So he actually took most of the burden of the childcare during the, the pandemic. And then I could work until four and then we had a bit of time to just prep dinner and get ready. And then once Ella was in bed at seven, I was back at work until 9.30 because... I needed to finish off the last things. And then the next morning from six o'clock, it was the same shebang. So I remember those three weeks in lockdown, they were just tough. And they were tough from an emotional point of view. They were tough from a logistical point of view. Also because we don't have grandparents nearby. We don't have any other social network around to, to give us uh, some help. 
I remember just being completely exhausted physically, also mentally, because everything, there were so many things going in the back of my mind. And what comes back to me mostly from that period is the fact that those changes have brought me to a point where I didn't like myself, neither in the role of mom, neither in the role of partner, because you become so tired and it grinds you so much that you simply don't have energy anymore. I mean, there was no drop of happiness or of anything left when you were just trying to patch things and make things work and keeping all the balls in the air because you needed to keep them. And that was also the most frustrating part that it wasn't about one of us doing more sacrifices so the other one could be more fulfilled because we were both sacrificing equally and we were still both reaching our limit. So I remember those periods were uh, were very tough. That's not the person I want to be with my kid and my kid doesn't deserve this. I mean, it's hard enough for them to try to figure out why all of a sudden from one day to another one, I'm not going to daycare and seeing my playmates and the pedagogues and why we're not doing the stuff we're doing. She was one and a half at that time. They can't understand no matter how much you explain to them, they can't understand what is happening. And then also have a parent that is maybe not that uh, not that great all the time, right? Because they're losing their patience quite a lot. There are a few of those moments in my mind that I go back and where I don't feel necessarily all that great about. It echoes something that the article was saying about how moms are essentially failing at everything, at all their roles. If even if they might have been for you these few instances, but you have experienced them. What helped you, Andrea, when things were the hardest? My partner, so Frank, my husband, was definitely the first and foremost stone there because I think his approach was a bit different. Instead of grinding like I did, he just said, okay, that's the way it is, and this is how much I can give, and we'll take it day by day. He really focused on the present here and now, and not so much like myself, trying to see, okay, but what happens tomorrow? What happens the day after? So he was the one who was really supportive, both logistically, but also emotionally, and encouraging, and saying that kind of word that they needed at the end of the day, that, hey it's fine. Everyone is giving as much as they can. And that's also okay. Don't beat yourself. But I'd love to say something about that because it's wonderful work what you did. I can hear also you're not beating out yourself because of this. I still ask myself since I didn't live that situation that way, I didn't experience it because I wasn't in the same. Why all the women, I mean, friends or acquaintances all over the world, after doing all this, what I could hear is many of them are like, well, always comparing kind of themselves to other, their mothers, grandmothers or whatever. Oh, they were working and doing this and dealing with that. But into perspective, they didn't have the same situation. I mean, they were amazing women and we are also. I just... Can't help but ask myself, why do we have to, because we spoke about failure, always think that we are failures. And I think that what your partner did was amazing. It's just to put things back to what they are. We cannot do anything about it. Let's help each other. That's for both of us to handle. And they did. I really want our audience to hear again. Your stories are maybe different. Your backgrounds are different from ours. You maybe experience it differently, but you are amazing. Just being you, trying. It doesn't mean that failing is bad. Ask for help if it's not possible, because not everybody has a loving partner to be there. Thinking of all single moms and other people that were struggling in countries that are maybe not as helpful as ours, that are still making it every day. And I really want to applaud them honestly. And it's not just to sound cheesy, but it's just you're doing an amazing job. And just keep it up. Think of yourself, of your priorities. And maybe it's 
a moment for us to think again what we want in life. For sure, you touched on a very sensitive point in that sense. And it's true that it's not just mothers that are struggling, it's everyone was struggling and everyone was struggling in a very different way. We all carried our weight and our burdens. And I have two sisters and my eldest sister has a teenager. So she's of course still a mom, but the teenager has a very different level of care or needs. And she also has an autistic child that is 14. And she was taking care of my mom and my dad at the same time during the pandemic. So her struggle, of course, is even... Can you compare it? No, you can't compare it because you don't put equal. You, you can't compare stuff like that. And I'm sure that even people who weren't taking care of an elderly person or uh, their parents or taking care of, of a child, they suffered, they, they struggled with other stuff. I think the pandemic slapped us all. I don't think there is anyone left in this world that hasn't been slapped in one way or another by the pandemic. Only um, the guy on the yacht. I don't know if you guys remember it. Early on, there was some millionaire, billionaire on a yacht. I think that's where he was self-isolating or whatever. That was just a slap in the face to everyone else. Maybe even him. He felt like lonely. <laughs> Too lonely, right, right. No, but actually with the things that you were just touching on, yes, we can't really compare because we each have had a different experience because of our different circumstances and we each took it differently. And it might be that you live in a big household and there's a lot of people to take care of, or it might be that you live alone and that is in itself a whole other issue that you have to deal with. Regardless of that, what I'd like to discuss as well, and Rita, you mentioned our earlier generations, our, our moms and grandmothers. Who did you look for inspiration or did you find anyone inspiring during those challenging times and months as months went on, whether it was someone in your immediate circles or network or just someone out there in the world that you looked at and said, wow, those people are doing something. And it doesn't necessarily have to be about the motherhood aspect because we're talking a bit broader life. For me, it's always been and will always be my mother. So, sincerely, it's just amazing how she can handle things. She believes a lot. So she's always, oh, God, always give us all the challenges we can handle. So, you know, it's okay. And you can see that she's tired, sick. My sister is a doctor in Morocco and dealing with COVID. And even my mom with her son, who's a hyperactive child, who was amazing, huh? but you have to really run after him. And she's dealing with all that. And the fact that I have a baby and she couldn't be there, but she's still, it's fine. We're going to see each other as long as we're all happy. And she's always putting things into perspective. For example, in particular in Morocco, since it's a country that is still developing and everything, a lot of people lost their jobs that are official. They didn't have help. You know, think of this people on this and that. You're happy. You're with Remy. Do you need anything? You're fine. We're going to see each other. Is baby okay? And she was focusing on the things like every day. What do you need for your baby here? What you can do? Fulfilling her role as a grandmother, giving me advice. But always, I love her also because she never give advice if you don't ask her. That means you do it as you want. Even when she thinks you can feel that she disagrees, but she would never say, you're amazing in your role and in that sense I love her because she's always spreading positivity and always thinking relatively to anything else we are still fine even in hardship she's happy and smiling I don't know how she does to be so peaceful and I'm so different from her in that sense and I try every day not to be my mother because we are different people and I'm happy with who I am but at least accept that we cannot change certain things but the things that we can change maybe we can make them better and enjoy that and focus on that because if not we will be just in the that really vicious circle so it's my mom my hunch is that it's probably the wisdom of age that helps her <laughs> be so wise 
What about you, Andrea? For me, it wasn't necessarily a, a person in that sense. I think for me, what was interesting to notice was a bit in what Rita was saying, right? So it was rather the attitude or the conversation or the mood that the person had that day. It's a really crappy situation we are in, but that doesn't stop us from making pancakes or making new rituals. And I think it's stuff like that that brings back that tiny bit of hope that I think everyone needed, especially in the beginning where the end of the tunnel was nowhere to see. I'm also fortunate in the company I work for, there was also a very strong focus on making sure that all the employees were being taken care of. I remember clearly that also in the beginning, there were a lot of messages being sent out saying, this is how it is. You can't expect to give the same amount of <laughs> work and that's perfectly fine. You need to focus on your dear ones and you need to focus on yourself. And then of course my family and then I have my friends as well. People who still decided that I still want a child. I still want my second child even though we are in a pandemic and nobody knows where we are heading with this. So it's a mix of conversations and attitudes and behaviors that were for me inspiring because they were just keeping the hope that everyone or at least I needed it in that period. Is nice there... is your baby, Rita. Yes, sorry. <laughs> she couldn't no. sleep and now Do she's not. like with us. Do not apologize. Hello. Do not apologize. <laughs> But she's trying to play with a microphone. Oh my God. Okay, no, that is a no. <laughs> Take away the microphone. Next time when she can speak, we can have her guests. All right. <laughs> But not at the moment if she's going to mess with your microphone. Another thing I wanted to ask you, is there something now almost a year on that you wish you knew or had done differently at any point that you wish, well, could have done this differently or could have done that, or I wish I knew this early on? Honestly, I feel like despite everything, I'm handling it okay within the things we can do. Since we, as Andrea said, we cannot change decisions that are taken above. I'm also now we just closed the border again with any other country i'm sometimes not really logical the way the decisions are taken here but i don't have all the keys in hand also judge that but since i decided not to go see my parents until there's vaccine for them while i saw so many people going for example on holidays to morocco i think sometimes i ask myself should i have done things differently should i have been with my daughter for them to see her but then i again think no they are fine i'm fine i have to be patient it might be in terms of really early days because the second lockdown in france which happens just before christmas was very different people were in on the street every time i went out I felt like I was the only one staying home. I would say it was maybe early days, March, as I said, before giving birth, the decisions about the clinic and other things that happened, I would have done certain things differently. But hey, it's fine. I couldn't have known, not only because of the pandemic, because it's a new situation for me to handle, discovering so many things. Not only my baby was born, but I was born as a mom. So I had to give myself some break and think about the situation. So all in all, I would say not really. I'm not somebody who would beat up myself because of things I did wrong or not. I would try to do better, maybe take more time for myself, give some boundaries maybe that we don't put anymore since when we start working from home or doing other things sometimes. We don't really look at the time the same way. The dimension is different. So that may be certainly something that I can do to improve that. But otherwise, no, I'm really happy. For now, it's fine. 
I think Edita is right in that sense because I also feel that you can't really do things in a different way because, again, who you are today, you weren't that person pre-pandemic. So the pre-pandemic person couldn't do the stuff that the during the pandemic and the post-pandemic person will do simply because you're not the same anymore. It's the same as I wouldn't do the stuff I used to do when I was in India, right? Which is now 10 years ago because I, I'm not there anymore in my life. So if there is something that I've learned in this pandemic is just simply to accept that, okay, it, it is like this. Yeah, sure. I can try to flip three times uh, over my head and try to impact it, but it might not have an impact. So what I can do instead is just focus on, okay, what can I do? Can I inaugurate rituals of banana pancakes on Saturday morning? Cool. That I can do. And I've started doing that. Or can I do crackers on Sunday? Yes, I can do that. Fine. I'll do that. So I think it's just more that for me. Just accept the fact that your life will slow down. I have been struggling in the beginning to accept the fact that we will need to slow down, that we can't drive anymore with 100 miles an hour as we were doing pre-pandemic. We have to slow down. And maybe once we are post-pandemic, we will have to dial up a bit or accelerate a tiny bit, or maybe not. It's in a reflection also, you're right. Yeah. Do we have to do things the same way? Do we have? And, and I don't think so. I think it will be foolish to think that you can go back to the same life. Everyone is talking about, oh, going back to the normal. Yeah, but there is not uh, the same normal that you had before. Because if we are going back to the same normal, then there is something wrong with us as human beings because we haven't learned what we needed to learn. But when is it that people decided that something that is, for me, luxury is something bad. When did we decide that slowing down is something bad? Taking time and being present in everything we do is like if it was a punition or something. But there is something that is very important in what you said, Andrea, and I'm sorry, I really need to ask mm -hmm. you, when is it that you decided for the banana bread day? Because I'm coming. <laughs> I actually think it started back in late spring because we kept having bananas at home. So I was like, okay, there are so many bananas you can eat. So we need to do something about it. That was a trend. You guys were on trend breaking banana bread. Well, you got to jump on some kind of trend, right? <laughs> <laughs> Just to feel like you are with the times. Both of you touched on that. How did you look after yourself? What kind of self-care practices of any did you start, whether physical, mental, spiritual? How did you find time for yourself to recharge? How have you managed? I think for me personally, there were a few things. My determination to still play the piano. I've always had a wish as a kid to play the piano. And then three years ago, I decided to buy myself a piano, a digital piano, and start playing. felt like a complete idiot going to classes and having kids that were 10 years old and playing much better than myself. But I accepted the fact that I'll be like that and that's fine. Um, so for me during the lockdown, one of the key things that was a non-negotiable point was I need to keep doing something for myself because in all this madness I'll just drown. And piano was for me the thing. I did change teacher in between, but that was for the better. So that was absolutely fine. Playing piano was one of them. And then I discovered, in terms of physical <laughs> activity, I discovered uh, a YouTuber that became very popular in the meantime. And she had these 12 weeks of training that I signed up also with a friend. So we were challenging each other. She was in Romania and I was here and we were actually pregnant at the same time. So it was perfect because we were going through the same difficulties <laughs> through the same ride, right? In different places at the same time. And the third one was helpful, especially 
since my dad actually died in the pandemic. So he died in April when I still couldn't go home. And so the funeral was basically just my mom and my sisters because that was already the max amount of people that could attend the funerals. And everything ha happened very fast. He died a Friday before Easter. And one day after my nephew's birthday. So it was a bit of a roller coaster of uh, emotions in that sense. So I actually started have coaching. Um, and I call it coaching because it's not necessarily therapy in, in the same way, but it's more focused on emotions and dealing with the emotions you're going through. So having had that person that was very good at guiding me through the grief, through the loss, through everything that was going on otherwise in, in the world was also something that saved me and that helped me from not going into <laughs> a black hole, so to say. So that was something that kept me going. And the fact that we started going out in nature a lot, again, because of lockdown, we ended up going all the weekends out in nature. Those were definitely rituals that made a really big impact in my mental and physical well-being. My sincere condolences. I'm amazed by you, what you say, because in those tips, there are different things that I see. Things about yourself, of course, as a person, either physical or mental within the situation that was difficult that you were going through. But also something that I really liked is about still connecting to people with it, without being there. In the sense, it's not just saying, hi, how are you? Which is important, of course. But I love you put yourself into that challenge with your friend at the same time. And you can keep up because since you live in the same things, and as you said before, you, you had this experience of being pregnant at the same time, I found it really lovely. And for me, since I just gave birth in the beginning, it was just me taking care of my baby. And my, my husband took his paternity leave the days he had the right to. So we were just the three of us. And it was funny because I started also learning things about myself. I'm a very social person, talk a lot. I need to always be surrounded by people. When I imagined after the birth of my daughter, how it would be, because I had a friend coming from Norway, a Korean friend coming from Australia to visit us, another friend from Brazil, and all of them had to cancel their flights. And instead of being sad, as I have thought, I was just like so happy to be with my husband and my daughter and to discover this new role slowly and funnily i was reading about mammals which is not really at all about oh it makes total sense they need a very quiet place a very dark place and yeah i understand why now i'm connecting to me being a human being it's funny but i was like i love it actually to be just quiet and take care of her and also of myself and learn things and of course i had the a, a big yeah 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 <laughs> sorry uh, I had a network helping me, my mom, my two sisters, friends. I could read a lot also, which helped me a lot about other women's experience that were sharing on forums. That helped a lot because it's real. They are there. They are having the same struggles, either as new moms or not. Also kind of protecting myself, but the right way, not pre, during or after pandemic, but just as a new mom, later on when my daughter would grow. And just remembering that we are humans and we are living and I have no choice. So that was something that totally helped me. Now, I also loved being taken care of. I was a princess. My husband was making the food. He was helping me also because I was breastfeeding and I'm breastfeeding. So it was funny to see that he read a lot about it. He was giving me so much advice also. So that was the way I, I really took care of myself. Prioritize myself, which was something that I wasn't used to do. And take care of my family. So you were pampered a little bit, Rita, but you also 
touched on the fact that you have learned something about yourself. And that's actually my next question. Can you talk a bit more about what's the one thing that you learned about yourself and that you see yourself as being quite different from a year ago or just pre-pandemic, something that surprised you? I think it's the case for all of us here. I love traveling. I used to take I don't know how many flights per per year, per month, either living in Asia. My husband was always here. So I had to go back to France, go to see my family in Morocco, travel to Australia or in Southern East Asia because I was finishing my PhD and freelancing. So I could decide whenever I wanted to take just a flight and go to Cambodia, Vietnam or whatever. So in that sense, I was lucky to be able to do whatever I wanted whenever I wanted it. But as Andrea said, it was just also accepting that I was in a new phase in my life. You know what I felt? Honestly, I was like a spoiled child thinking like, I just gave birth. I am a new mom. I couldn't really travel right now, but it's not because of pandemic. It's just my new situation. And everybody else is punished like me. Yeah, basically (laughs) the world world adapted to me. Still for you. So you felt special. That's a really nice way to look at it. Honestly, yeah, yeah, and Alba agrees. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So honestly, I, I would be really spoiled and so bad not to thank the universe for that. I was like, okay, I have to slow down, and the situation made it easier for me. I didn't have to choose or feel like, oh, I cannot go back to see my friends in Shanghai or see my family. It's just gonna be done another time, and it's gonna be the best time. You rolled with it. That's awesome. What about you, Andrea? I love that when the the world is suffering with me. (laughs) Because I can definitely relate to this point of not being able to travel, right? So I was one of them suffering with you, Rita. Just so you know, I had to cancel travels too. (laughs) Thank you very much. (laughs) Six trips, okay? Six trips. I am still suffering. (laughs) I didn't have that many. I had only two in the pipeline, but still, it hurt. I think for me, it was just paying more attention and observing. And I think for me, it was, of course, a bit different as well, because my kid grew up during the pandemic and developed in a different way than, for example, when they're a newborn and then they go into the toddler phase. So my kid is a toddler in the pandemic. And just this idea of being able to notice during a pandemic, my kid went from saying cuckoo to she's singing songs in Danish and she's inventing the lyrics. This is sweet. (laughs) Yeah. And then starting that cute face of asking questions where you think like, okay, I'm not quite sure how to respond to this one. (laughs) That sense of of being able to be there and actually notice and give myself time to notice that she's developing. And and again, I've said it before, but for me, I think the best way to summarize it is slowing down. But by slowing down, just saying, okay, we are doing only this amount of things in this weekend and that's absolutely okay. We don't have to manage to do 10 billion stuff on the agenda. No, let's just do three things and be happy about it. And there is also time for that nap in between. So perfect <laughs> to recharge the batteries. For me, it was, uh, it was very much that. I don't know in your case in Denmark, but a lot of friends of mine, especially living in Paris, just started not only because they lived in small apartments, with kids, generally, they all move to the countryside. And now they are completely in this vibe of we need to slow down and have some space for us, not just in case of lockdown, but we just realize that we are not enjoying as much as we wanted life with family. And I thought that is something that just I didn't learn personally, but I, I love to see it around me. Yeah. Have you had that with your friends? I didn't build the house and we didn't move in the countryside, but we did buy a plot of land on which we 
Hopefully, we'll build a house soon. So close. Yeah. <laughs> Very close. Yes, kind of. 50%. On trend, Andrea. Okay, I like it. <laughs> I think for me, it was probably also the fact that we started spending time in nature because the, the two of them, I mean, you can't have four social events and go to nature and try to do them both because your levels, they will just be completely off. So I think it was just that. It was just that idea of saying, okay, let's just go to the forest or the sea because we have plenty of it around here. So we're not lacking that. And just be happy with that. And just also that, that social part, just being fine with being the three of us. I think that's also something that we realize quite a lot, that hey, it's okay to be just the three of us. It's actually quite fun. You know, kids can, can also be fun when it's only... <laughs> if you give them a chance. <laughs> so, some people made like a lot of humor, at least in France and so I'm sure internationally they did, about people rediscovering their family members. You know, oh. like, oh, that's your, that's your name. I have a kid. Really? You know, this kind of you thing. You grew so fast. So fast. And you're funny, actually. I keep you. You know, this I kind keep... of thing. I love that. I also love what you said earlier, Andrea, about the coming up with the three things that you would do. And that's your agenda or those are the things that you can do as a family. So thinking about those three things and thinking about our audience, what would be your top three tips for either new mothers or expecting mothers or young mothers like yourselves? First one would be definitely to, it's not necessarily a tip, it's just more of a note that it's pretty damn difficult without the pandemic. The pandemic on top makes it even harder and that's absolutely fine. That is absolutely fine because it is hard. As sugar-coated as Instagram wants to put it, it's pretty damn hard, believe me. And it's absolutely fine to just cry in the bathroom and say, I want to take a one out from this one. We will do it. That's perfectly fine. And then I think it's just this idea of take it as it comes because... Again, there is no way we can influence what is happening, but what we can influence is how we take the situation, how we transpose that situation in our current state and current date. Today I can do this within the limits that I'm being given because that makes you more happy and it also makes you enjoy your motherhood, early motherhood or upcoming motherhood much better. And... I know it's not ideal because you always feel like, ah, oh, but I wish I could have gone to this mother's group or went with my baby to swimming or to rhythmic classes or music classes. But then you can do other stuff with your kid. You need to ask for help. She's completely right. I love Andrea saying that, first of all, it's important to recognize that we are struggling with certain things because you cannot help yourself if you don't know what's going on. Uh, express them is very important. In any situation, pandemics or not, but some issues are more important. I know that a lot of women don't have the, the network that we have, but we have social media. They should be useful, not burden. So if we could use them to find, as I said, forums or whatever to connect to other human beings that are in the same situations or not, maybe to put into perspective that we are not alone in this, to ask for help. It's not about weakness. You're very strong when you ask for help. That means you recognize that you're in need of something and also take care of yourself and when I spoke about social media, I, for example, when I saw some per people like living in other, for example, Ile de la Réunion um, for France, they didn't go through the same things as here in the metropolitan France. I would be very happy and I would ask my friends, please, could you share a picture or a little video from the waves? You know, it makes me feel happy. Some other friends told me, oh, oh my God, I hate seeing people traveling. It makes me feel bad. So I said, okay, if you feel that way, 
that you recognize there is something here. Maybe you should stop what looking all the time at Instagram and comparing yourself to others. Maybe you should really, as Andrea said, realize what does make me happy not being like others. Okay, I cannot travel now, go to the beach. I would love that. I would love $5 million. It's not going to happen tomorrow. But there is expectation. And maybe when it's too high, we struggle with that. So as she said, renew in the time we spend with families or people we love. If you're a single mom, definitely ask for help. There are so many, so much support that you might not even have heard of that you can find online or in your community. Build to yourself a network. If not, read or do activities like Andrea started her piano, anything. It doesn't have to be an expensive thing. Something that you always wanted to do and you didn't have time, maybe write a, a novel. Maybe you think you're not a novelist. Maybe you discover yourself being a novelist. Maybe you can just film yourself, record yourself to remember how you felt. And then you'll be very happy that when your child grows, you can share these things with them. Myself, I was thinking, oh, I would love to bring my baby because I was a swimmer, you know, very young to swim. Then I realized the classes were close and I was not sad because I couldn't go I said she will do it later on it's okay she still can swim later but as Andrea said we can do a lot more kisses <laughs> sing songs together I'm learning so many things and just reinvent yourself this is really the opportunity to be the person you want it to be and even if you don't reach that it's fine don't beat up yourself just live it's about breathing about having basic stuff okay but it's more than that your soul doesn't need to go out to be happy. Your soul, when I say out, not in nature, out like partying right now, because it's going to happen again. You don't have to do it right now. You can party at home. Like Sveta is a wonderful dancer, and I'm sure she does. Just play the music and give yourself the vibe. Because if you're doing that for yourself truly, maybe you realize there are certain activities you didn't do because you liked them so much. Maybe you did them because you, you were going following the group, or it was something maybe... It's very hard to stop and think about yourself, how you can improve. I'm not saying we have to all get into therapy. Huh? I'm just saying just live and take the life as it comes. Okay, baby. Okay. So thank you guys. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Those are excellent tips. Actually, I counted definitely more than six. I think it was close to 10. I might summarize. Could you share what's the one thing that you're looking forward to the most this year? It could be in any area of your life. For me, it's definitely... Going back to Romania to see my mum and my sisters and my family and also for Ella to see them and for them to see Ella because the last time they saw her, she was one, she was barely walking, now she's running and singing. So I think it's in Danish. Just, in, in Danish, yeah. Well, she put some Romanian words in between. So I think it's just, it's as simple as that, just being able to go back to Romania and seeing them. Nothing more, just that. It's central. Yeah, I think it's the same for me, going to see my family since they never met Alba. They just saw her grow on like on the phone. They're like, oh, she can talk and now she's going to be walking and this and that. And I, since they are really not young, long life to them. And my father has started losing his sight. So I really wanted him to meet my daughter so he can still see her. So that's very important for me. I think something that is going to impact a lot my life in the future. But at the same time, now we've closed the border. We are still seeing what's going to happen with the vaccine. I mean, April is going to come soon. We'll definitely be older than a year old when she will meet them. But as I like to say, it's when they're going to meet her, they will be maybe able to exchange with her. Hopefully she wouldn't have her PG. You know, <laughs> she would be still a baby. But <laughs> this is it. But there is also me. Like I'm searching for a new position. So... There is this, we are planning also to move. So there are so many plans that we are looking forward to. 
And life continues. I need sometimes to talk to friends. And as I said before, I really, really want to highlight that and start again talking about that. I really want people to think of their friends because it's not because things came, became normal that we are in this pandemic, that we forget about it, that there are certain people that might be alone, that need help, that they cannot express that they need help. Really, if you love people around you, check on your friends, people you didn't talk to for a long time. Maybe there are so many signals they're sending and you don't see them. Just ask, how are you? But a real, how are you? You don't see here, we can slow down and really wait for the answer. I see the common thread there is family and it's both due to your individual circumstances. Uh, what you most would like to do and wish and are looking forward to is to really reconnect with family and see people you haven't seen in a long time. And I really hope that happens very soon. We don't really know what happens with the borders Thank and you. when they open and how, but hopefully you can get on that first flight. Hopefully you can both reunite and have that very precious family time and catch up all the, the time lost in between. For new moms, expecting moms, young moms with young children, toddlers at home, it's hard and it's okay. And it's okay to admit that. So don't be afraid. Take it as it comes every day that that's all you can do. Don't try to overthink or guess the future. You can't do that. And when you can give yourself permission to take a break from the baby and have a moment to breathe for yourself. That's absolutely fine. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Acknowledge that you're struggling and reach out to someone in your family or in your friendship group somewhere. Someone will be there for you. Look out for support online. There's a lot of resources. So having the internet at your fingertips, definitely use it for good. And take care of yourself, whatever that means, whether that means taking up a new hobby, if you have time for it, or just going back to something old that you haven't done in a long time, do that give yourself, again, permission to do that. And also renew that sense of quality family time that you may have lost because you have this privilege now, those of you who do to have your close family around, give it the time it deserves and really cherish the time that you have. And it's an opportunity to re reinvent yourself. So why not try that? If you have the mental bandwidth, if you have the time, if you have the resources, that's, this is a, a great chance to do that. And don't forget about other people, whether it's your friends or family that may be struggling elsewhere or may not be reaching out for help. Make sure that you check in and ask a real how are you doing and see if anyone needs any help. And this way we'll all be closer and reconnecting with each other. And on that note, I'd really like to thank both of you, Andrea and Rita. Thank you so much for sharing. This has been a really emotional chat. I'm really happy that you were so open and so willing to share your experience and anything you've learned and how you've gone to this pandemic. If you have any last words for our listeners, this is your chance. So remember, all this will pass and we shall pass, but what we're going to take from it is what we're going to do with every day. So as much as you can, tell people you love that you love them, even if they are not nearby. When you struggle, share it with others. You might have some tips that you didn't even think of give yourself some break and keep on living and to those who are having really serious struggles with health we are praying for you thanks rita thank you for listening for those of you who are listening as rita said it is our story so it is us blabbering through our times but of course your story might be very very different and that's also okay
Thank you for listening and see you on the next episode. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Wowit Diaries. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, hit the subscribe button on your podcast app. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn at Wowit Diaries to find out more about the project and hear the latest news. Leave your comments and ideas for our next episodes. Talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.